0: Good day, folks, and welcome back to my podcast. Today's April 27th, 2019, a beautiful spring day here in New Jersey. Um, What can I say? I just felt I should do a podcast today before I go out and get some things done, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Of course, again, we're reading from All the Diets Under the Sun, A Journey from Childhood to Adulthood in the Battle with Weight. I am Guillermo Perez, the author of the book. And today's chapter is chapter six called Settling Down. Since I was working full time at such a young age, I was looking to get married by the time I was in my early 20s. I was just so tired of going out to clubs to meet women. It was such a hit or miss thing, and I never met anyone with whom I had much in common. Two of the girls I met before my wife that I had some connection with had the same issue. They both had cats. I dated a sweet girl from work that was of Cuban heritage like me. She lived in the Washington Heights part of Manhattan which is essentially right over the George Washington Bridge from New Jersey I drove there to pick her up I recall I parked the car and rang the buzzer to her apartment Her voice came over the speaker and announced she would be right down I had reservations at a red s- restaurant in Midtown I don't remember the details of the meal but I am certain it included wine I do remember we went to see a classical music concert at Carnegie Hall The show was great and we were having a really wonderful time. We chatted the whole way on the drive back. It felt right, and when we got back to her neighborhood, I parked the car to make sure she got into her apartment safely. Then she invited me up. It crossed my young, excited mind that the night was going much better than I expected. I remember entering the apartment, and she showed me around. She had a balcony, which was quite romantic, as you could see the George Washington Bridge lit up in all its glory. What of you? I was taking it all in and feeling just fine. Then she called me inside and poured some wine. We sat on the couch, started kissing. Within minutes, I couldn't breathe. No, it wasn't the excitement. No, it wasn't my young heart beating a million miles a minute. My eyes were watering me. I went from going wonderful to a full-blown disaster. Then I asked if she had a cat. She did. I told her I was very allergic to cats and wouldn't be able to stay. I had to go home and take some medicine. We never went out again after that. Whether that was my fault or hers, I don't know. It just wasn't meant to be. I met the next girl at a nightclub. I went to her home in Union, New Jersey to pick her up. Her mother answered the door and I introduced myself. I had even bought some flowers, which is probably considered corny these days. I waited for her in the foyer, and when she came down, I handed her the flowers. She asked me to sit down while she put them in a vase. Within seconds, my eyes started to tear. My chin started to itch, and it was difficult to breathe. When she came back, she could plainly see something was wrong. She asked me if I was all right, and I asked her if she had a cat. She did, and told me I was sitting in its favorite seat. Of course, I still took her out on the date, but it was not the last. Cats were just an obstacle. I dated another girl before I turned 20, and then again a few years later. For one reason or another, we never had a steady relationship probably because we were more like good friends than being romantic. My dating did not in any way affect my eating habits, in fact. I remember thinking pizza was very healthy. Why am I telling you all this? To accentuate the point that my life was about to change significantly. My friend and I just got home from a vacation on the West Coast. We were two single men having fun in the sun and trying to meet women. I didn't feel refreshed when I returned home and realized that I was missing someone special in my life. I needed and wanted more in my life than drinking and eating. Not that eating and drinking are a bad thing by themselves, but they lack any cause for living. I wanted to settle down. It was at a juncture when I realized I finally had to start getting serious. My younger brother wanted to fix me up with one of his friend's sisters. I had been ignoring him for months. After my recent vacation, I changed my mind. I saw my brother and told him that I was ready to make it happen. At first, they wanted me to call her. Instead, they called me one day and asked me to go to the store to buy them some beer. So I drove down from my house to my now wife's parents' house. When I got there, they asked me to go inside on the pretense that his friend, my now brother-in-law, had a new stereo system I had to see. I walked up the stairs to his room and his sister's bedroom was next to his. First, I saw the stereo and I noticed she was in her room. When we walked by, he introduced us and her smile and beautiful green eyes overwhelmed me. We started chatting. Before I knew what I was doing, I asked her out on a date for Friday night. We still laugh about that this day because I said, if we enjoyed each other's company, we would be able to go out on Saturday night as well. I went all out. I borrowed my dad's Cadillac to take her out in style. We went to a high-class Italian restaurant summit called Toto's. We sat in a booth, and the atmosphere was romantic. Soft classical music played in the background while we talked over candlelight. We were getting to know each other, and having grown up in the same town, we seemed to think a lot alike. I remember having smoked salmon with capers as an appetizer and tortellini for the main course. We had tartufo for dessert. The food was great, the conversation wonderful, and we were comfortable together. It sure felt like destiny was calling me. I told her my plans for the evening ahead. Remember, there were no cell phones in the 1980s. After dinner, we went to a nightclub. My wife had a mind of her own, as she still does, and she had arranged for her friend to meet us there unofficially. At first, I thought it was a coincidence, but then I realized it had to be set up because she introduced me to her best friend, Maria. After the evening, we went to her home, and I walked her to the door. Before I let her go inside, I asked her if she wanted to go out for lunch the next day. I told her I was planning on buying a new car, and it would be fun if she just joined me afterwards. She said yes, and I kissed her goodnight. The next day, we went to the restaurant where I had worked when I was younger, H.A. Winston. I ordered an Aunt Edna tuna fish salad on rye bread topped with tomato and Swiss cheese. I remember she wanted to taste it. I was flabbergasted. Share the food from my plate? I never even thought of this. I was used to growing up in a big family and being told to eat everything on our plates. If it was something good, I wasn't used to sharing it. And if it was something I didn't like, I would either force myself to eat it or somehow feed it to our dog before my mom noticed. She saw the shock on my face and laughed. It pains me to think of that moment because it was so silly. She just totally surprised me. Of course, since then, I've learned to share. But that was not the weakest point of my dietary faux pas. Life started to move faster for me. We traveled together, we played racquetball, rode bicycles, and we generally were very active. Then, of course, we always ended the days together by going somewhere to eat. I never had self-control when it came to food. One time, my company had a Christmas party in an Italian restaurant called Il Menestrello. They were passing around appetizers, and I was shoving them down my throat as if I would never eat again. I get this way when I'm drinking alcohol. In this particular instance, my bad habit was beneficial. My soon-to-be wife was holding off on the appetizers because she was waiting for the main course. Then I asked on her behalf when dinner would be served, only to find out That what was being passed around was dinner. Obviously, she was starving at that point. I don't recall where we went after the Christmas party, but I'm sure it included getting food somewhere. Come to think of it, so much of my life has revolved around getting food and eating fine meals out. My future wife joined me for business dinners. One particular place I remember well was in Westfield, New Jersey, in the late 1980s. There was a seafood restaurant called Sinclair's, and I used to arrange business dinner meetings there. My then fiancé and I really enjoyed going there regularly. The best dish they had on the menu was called swordfish macadamia, which was swordfish encrusted with macadamia nuts and sautéed in butter served on a bed of rice. We always drank a popular inexpensive wine at the time, Pinot Grigio Santa Margarita, the perfect accompaniment. My wife and I easily drank two bottles over dinner. If my memory serves me right, we almost always ended with creme brulee for dessert. Another one of our favorite haunts was a Mexican restaurant in New York City called Cinco de Mayo. The food was great. The atmosphere was even better. We never wanted to leave because it had large open spaces where the moon or sunlight would shine in on the large decorative plants. We sat there for hours drinking margaritas and eating tortilla chips with probably the best guacamole I had ever had at that point. Of course, the tacos and refried beans were to die for. Sadly. It was closed down when the owner of the restaurant was arrested for dealing drugs out of that location. All I can say is that it was the most legitimate business front for criminal activity I have ever known. It was a nearly five-star restaurant for the common folk. Going to the movies and dinner were our favorite activities, but we were still quite active before we married. We cycled on weekends and played racquetball together once a week, I still played with my friend Gary and my older brother Javier as well, and this kept the weight off, but I still didn't realize that I continued to develop bad habits as life moved forward. In fact, worsening habits. After we married, we slowed down a bit as my wife watched the pennies to save money so we could eventually move into a house. We still did fun things like take ballroom dancing lessons so we could be more graceful at formal events. These were really fun times. Of course, the first year of marriage was not all peaches and cream. We had our spats, and since I wasn't much of a planner in my private life, and she was, we sort of butted heads at times. I just always felt we should spend the money now. We didn't know what tomorrow would bring. Honestly, she was right. I just liked the party. Eventually, we moved from an apartment to a house. This meant more money to spend to furnish a house, which meant less money to spend on non-essentials so racquetball went out the window, as did other costly activities. This was even before we bought our own house. We were still renting at that time. I began to gain weight when we bought our first home. It wasn't anything obvious, just a few pounds, and mostly because I began to get lazy, with less physical activity taking me out of the house. I felt I had less energy during the week. Even so, there were fewer activities that burned calories, but were time-consuming. I was painting, buying furniture, hanging fixtures, and blinds. On the weekends, I started to do yard work, cut grass, planted, mulched, weeded, and decorated. It seemed there was always a never-ending list of chores. Then I began to stress I was now working as the head trader of the desk, handling millions of dollars in foreign currencies and precious metals on a regular basis. I also had to manage the people that worked with me. The new responsibilities of house ownership and in management were bearing down on my nerves. Essentially, I began to eat to satisfy a need I felt. I began to use food like a drug. I recall eating five slices of pizza on a Friday night. I was looking for pleasure where there was only a short-term high, but it only brought long-term misery. I put on probably about 20 pounds. This is significant as someone whose weight stabilized at 165. This was an increase of over 10% and even worse, I was no longer really exercising. Racquetball had become a thing of the past and my bicycle sat dormant in the shed. Instead of walking to the office, which I had always done from Port Authority Bus Terminal on 42nd Street and 8th to the office on 51st and 5th, I began to take the subway. This was really bad. My health was steadily on decline. I remember feeling quite tired one day and thinking that I must eat more to feel better. How crazy was that? I thought my fatigue stemmed from a poor diet and not from gaining weight. This led to steady weight gain over the years. I increased my intake of food and decreased my physical activity. I no longer worked standing up and spent the day sitting. I didn't walk any great distances and I was eating all the wrong foods. I continued to eat a hostess apple pie and cherry pie for breakfast and washed it down with chocolate milk. At lunch, I would usually have a cheeseburger and fries. I remember the cheeseburger so well. We used to have them delivered to us two or three times a week from a restaurant on 51st Street called Prime Burger. Their patties were at least a quarter pound of beef, and they always served it with their delicious spicy homemade relish. It was a family business. I stopped in there in 2010, and most of the same people still worked there and remembered me. Sadly, a few years later, the restaurant was closed. To think, a burger joint that started in the 1930s could survive for such a long time, even with McDonald's and many other competitors nearby, surely attest to the food quality. They also had an amazing pea soup that they sold only on Tuesdays. Life moved on, and so did the gauge on the scale. Every time I weighed myself, it was pushing nearly 190 pounds when our first child was born in 1989. By the time our second child was born, I finally hit my all-time high of 196 pounds. Then I made a trip to Mexico that finally began my battle with weight gain. I had gained nearly 40 pounds. I was wearing a 16 and a half neck size, 36 inch waist pants, and my gut was actually hanging out over them. Well, that's the end of that chapter. Not a pretty picture I painted, that's for sure, and I sure um, recall those days and how horrible I was feeling. I was getting so little exercise, I was out of breath, and well, you're going to hear the rest in the next chapter. But for now, I hope you enjoyed that chapter, and uh, tune in next time. Thank you for listening.